0: To God. I, I, I wanna, I wanna give y'all five points tonight, then we're gonna be done. on um, five points. I wanna talk to you guys about trusting the process. Everybody say trust the process. I want to talk to you about five. I'm going to give you five points and then we're going to be done. I want to talk about the process. We're in the book of Jonah. For those of you who are just coming in, if you'll go to Jonah chapter one, we're only going to deal with maybe the first three chapters. um, The only the first three chapters for for this particular teaching. Um, I won't go into chapter four because um, there's a twist that happens in chapter four. I won't deal with that today, but I want to talk to you about trusting the process. For those of you who just came in, I shared with you guys earlier that um, this message tonight is for someone in this room. God has been giving me sermons for the body, for the church at large, for all of us moving forward. But tonight there is someone special, someone specific, maybe many of you, maybe several of you uh, in this room tonight. This message is for you. When God dropped this in my spirit, he said he told me somebody needs to hear this message tonight. When actually, when I came in um, today, there was a group of ladies that, that greeted me here at the front and they said, Pastor Love. They said, listen, we know that you're hearing from God because the, just the title by itself speaks to us. The title alone speaks to us, and we know that God has something to say tonight. Now, um, process. Let's look at the definition. I want you guys to get the definition. The word process means a series of actions, a series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular End a particular end. I, I want you. I want you to pay special attention to the two words at the end. The two words: particular end. A series of actions or steps taken in order to achieve a particular end. In other words, God has a place in His mind that He's trying to get you to. God has a place in his mind that he's trying to get you to. There is a place in the will of God where he desires for you and for me to be. There's a place in God's will that he desires for you and for me to be. Don't, don't put this up there, Jerry. But I want you all to write down Jeremiah 29:11. Very familiar passage. Jeremiah 29:11. So they can finish uh, recording uh, the process. Jeremiah 29:11. Listen to this. For I know the thoughts. This is the King James Version. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. Watch this. To give you an expected end. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, particular end, expected end. So he's telling Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I'm going to put you through a process. There's a process that you've got to go through in order to get to an expected end. Glory to God. I remember when I was a little boy, Jerry curls were, were, were popular back in the day. Some of y'all do remember Jerry curls. Amen. Glory to God. Jerry curl. Another word for Jerry curl was Process. Hallelujah. Some of y'all, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Maybe that's just Mississippi stuff. But another, another word for Jerry Curl was process. They, they would say, when you go to the store, buy me a process is what they would say. <laughs> Glory to God. Um, and, and see, see now they got these, they got these one step wonders. Now you just put it in, rinse it out and your hair is, you know, something different. Uh, now, but back in those days, you had to, you had to read that paper. When you unfold that paper, that paper was like a map. That paper was this big. Yeah, you you have to read, and you better read that paper too. You better read that paper. You better not play no games and not read that paper. Trying to be cute, they might have changed some. They might have changed part of the process. Glory to God. So you had to unroll, rabble all that paper. And you better read that paper. That paper had sticks, two little, old, two little like tongue depressing sticks in there. You had them gloves and everything in there. Listen, you better read that paper because you had to mix some stuff, and the stuff that you mixed back then made your nose hairs burn out. It was some loud, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. When you mix that stuff, that stuff, that stuff makes your nose burn. <laughs> some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all, some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. If you let it stay in your hair too long, you see, you saw smoke come out of your hair. And I'm serious. <laughs> y'all laughing. I'm so serious. I'm so, your hair will start smoking, Jack. Ain't playing. Amen. You said take that roller out and you have a hunk of hair with that roller. Amen. <laughs> anyway, y'all got me off track. Okay. <laughs> But it was called, it was called a process because there were steps that you had to take. Now watch this. The beautiful part was, was the box showed you what the particular end should be. Glory to God. So, so it became easier to go through the process as long as you had the box. Because if you could look at the box, the box gave you a glimpse of what your future could look like if you as long as you read the paper. Glory to God. But, but the problem with this process that you guys are in is that the Bible says it does not yet appear what you shall be. Glory to God. But the only thing that we know is that we shall be changed. We know that there's a change coming, but we don't really, uh, we don't fully know exactly what Jesus is doing in our lives other than He's making us look more and more like Him. Glory to God. So he's making us look more like him and he's giving us, watch this. He didn't give us a picture picture. He gave us a word picture. Now, now here's the problem. Many of us like looking at pictures. Glory to God. When I was in school, we would take those AR books home. I would always look for a book that had a lot of, oh, y'all know what I'm talking about. The book, because, because I didn't like doing a lot of reading, but I, I sure did like looking at the pictures. I would get books about dogs because they had a big dog picture and just a little bitty couple lines at the bottom and I would get those books, glory to God, because because I, I didn't necessarily want to read but I didn't mind looking at the picture. So here's the problem. Many of us are just like that, glory to God. So what God did was instead of God giving us picture pictures, he gave us word pictures that forces us to read if you want to know what you're supposed to look like in the future. And because many people are more caught up on what I look like now that we forget that God is taking you somewhere, that God is changing some things in your life. It's part of the process. Everybody say, trust the process. Yeah. Now, now listen, I, I've got, I've got about five. Now, I need you to listen tonight with both of your ears, your natural ear and your spiritual ear. Listen tonight because this message is going to help you. Those of you who have been going through difficulties, you've been going through trying times, this message is going to help you. Look at Jonah chapter one, look at verse one. And, and I'm, I'm going to start, we're going to start the process. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. The son of Amatiah saying, arise, go to Nineveh. Nineveh was toward the northeast. Go to Nineveh, that great city and cry out against it for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose and flee to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He tried to run from the presence of the Lord. He tried to run. From his presence. He went down to Joppa. And found a ship going to Tarshish. Now Tarshish was toward the west. So he paid his fare. Went down into it. To go with them to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord. Now I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you five things. That's a part of the process. Five things that's a part of the process. That you're going through. Here, here's the first thing. Commitments are a part of the process. Commitments are a part of. Of the pro- don't, Jerry, don't pull all them up there at the same time. Commitments are a part of the process. Keep that in mind. Commitments are a part of the process. Now, um, when, when as you're on the process, as you're moving forward, what happens is is that God is going to require you to commit. To something. God's gonna, God's gonna require commitment from you. Here's what he said to Jonah. Here's what he said to Jonah. He says, Jonah, I need you to arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. Go to Nineveh. He's saying, He's saying, Jonah, I need you to commit to me in this capacity. I need you to commit to go to Nineveh. Now watch this. Now watch this. Commitment is cool. Think about it. Commitment is cool if God would have you to commit to something you like doing. Wouldn't it be cool, wouldn't it be cool if God said, if God said, uh, I want you to commit to eating ice cream. Some of y'all be shouting. Woo, oh, thank you Lord. Glory to God. Woo, oh, y'all be quickening the spirit. Oh hallelujah. Woo, oh, ain't the Lord good. Oh girl God, what well, what you do for God? Girl, I ate ice cream for the Lord. Ooh, Hallelujah. Oh, you be you be praying, you be praising God. Girl, what kind of cheese? Oh, butter pecan, girl. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, cookies and cream. Oh, God told me to eat cookies and cream. Yeah, listen, y'all be shouting, you be in church shout. Oh, I serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and so if, if God, if God would, would, would have you to commit to doing things that you enjoy doing, commitment would be easy. Commitment would be easy if, if you had to commit to things that you enjoy doing. But here is, here is, here is, here is how God works. God always gets you to commit in an area that you really don't like. He always gets you to commit in an area that you really don't like. God have you to to forgive some people. That you really don't like. Hallelujah. God will have you to give even when the money is tight. When I when I was a little boy. When I was a little boy. Um, my, my grandmother. God rest her soul. But my, my grandmother. She used to like for us to grease her scalp. She'd call you in there, you take that wig off, hanging up on the bedpost. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Maybe some of y'all don't have no clue what I'm talking about. They'd hang that wig up on the bedpost, and she'd call us in there and say, and she'd call one of the boys, and, and she and she would call me most of all, but I thought it because I was the oldest. She'd call me in there and said, and say, Eric, come in here and, and grease my scalp. <clears throat> Bring that big comb. Man. I go get that big old comb. I'm going in there, and she hand me that, that blue magic. <laughs> y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. They hand me that blue magic. <laughs> and we used to sit up on the bed, be parting her hair, digging my hair in that blue magic, rubbing in there, pushing over, parting, pushing over, and I couldn't stand doing that. And I was finished quick. By two or three minutes, I was through my grandma be just she just be nodding off real good and I'm through I'm like all right, grandma here you go she said baby you through already? yes ma'am she said do it again man be fighting man fighting man and and I realized that the reason she kept calling me to do it is because I'm the one that didn't want to do it mother brothers enjoyed it they act like they did see see, that was probably smarter than me if I'd have acted like I enjoyed it maybe she would have called one of them instead of calling me but but she kept calling me because because I, I was the one that I was the one that didn't enjoy it I didn't like doing that I didn't like greasing hair I thought that was a girly thing to do I didn't want to be sitting on my grandma bed parting her scalp what would my buddies think about me if they come in and see me greasing my grandma scalp what if they were just happen to be outside and peeped in the window and so come on what what would that have been like you know what a what a mess me up What a Start me for life if that'll happen. I didn't want to do that. And, and now watch this. Now watch this. Now watch this. And so 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 I went through that, went through that, and I would grease a scalp. And I would just take my time now. And I just grease. and I just well, I gotta do it. So I'm just gonna go ahead and do it. And I grease a scalp and watch this. Now watch this. About probably a, a little over, um, a little over 15 20 years later. 15-20 years later, I was in my own house. My wife comes in my office with a comb. She had no blue magic. It was some some stuff in a little tube. It kind of got fancy now. She came in there and she said, baby, will you grease my scalp? (laughs) Now, Now watch this. Immediately I understood why I had to go through that back there so I could learn how to do this right here. So, so, so the process, (laughs) the process taught me something. I I didn't want to go through it. But God was teaching me some things, even though I didn't want to go through it. So watch this. The very thing that you are fighting and contending with God about right now is something that God's going to use somewhere down the line in your future. And God is requiring you to commit to him. You've got to commit to God. When people when people come to the altar and they give their lives to Christ, I, I, I don't know, sometimes it, it may be preacher's fault or t- uh, church's fault because we, we, we make you think that everything's going to be smooth after you give your life to Christ. We don't talk about that, that commitment. <laughs> I was going to say doggone commitment. I didn't know if that was a cuss word in church or not. We don't talk about the commitment. But commitments are a part of the process. Here's the question for you. What area... Of your life is God requiring commitment from you? What area of your life is God requiring commitment? Is God requiring commitment in your prayer life? Is God requiring commitment in your study time? If, 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 if you're in this church and and you haven't, you haven't felt the presence of God in a while, is God requiring a fast of you? Are there some things that God wants you to put aside and put away for a season just to seek his face? God is requiring commitment from you. Are, are, you, are you committed to love somebody who has who has publicly, sometimes even privately, proclaimed that they can't stand you, that they hate you? Are you committed to still love? That's what God is saying. God said, I'm requiring commitment because commitment is a part of the process. Jonah, go to Nineveh. I want you to cry out against the city because they are wicked. Cry out to them. Listen to this. Listen to this. Jonah never argued with God. He never argued. He just didn't do it. (laughs) He never argued with God. He heard from God. He just didn't do it. Hallelujah. Raise your invisible hand. (laughs) If God has ever told you something, you didn't argue with him. You just didn't do it. Look at all the invisible hands that just went up. Glory to God. Commitment are part of the process. Look at verse number four, Jonah chapter one, verse number four, but the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid. Every man cried to his God and through the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the ship. Jonah keeps going lower. And lower and lower and it lay down in and was fast asleep. Glory to God. Here's my second point. My second point is storms are part of the process. The process that you're in right now requires storms. You're going to go through some storms. You're going to have some difficult days. You're going to have some, you're going you're to have some tumultuous times to manifest in your life. So when the storm manifests in your life, think it think it not strange concerning the fiery trials which are to try you or to test you. You're going to have some storms. Storms are part of the process. God uses storm. Now you do you remember what you said about storm? Think about that then tell me. Listen, God uses storm. Do you remember? God uses storms to redirect us. God uses, you remember, God uses storms to read. He told me something that was really cool. I'm trying to remember what he said, Um, but God uses storms to redirect us. And so the storms that manifest in your life, you've got to know it's, it is many times God just simply trying to push you back on track. God trying to push you back into his presence. The storm manifests uh, in Jonah's life and the storm is a part of the process. Many of you are in a storm right now, but the storm is a part of what God wants to do in your life. Because the second point, which is the storm, leads you to the third point. If it, if it, weren't, if it was not for the second point, you wouldn't understand the third point. You wouldn't understand point number three if you don't get point number two. Commitment is a part of the process. Storms are part of the process. So listen, so when the storm manifests in your life, you know what you do? Instead of, instead of throwing a pity party, instead of, you know, trying to give up, you know what you say? God, God, what are you teaching me in the storm? What is this storm designed to teach me? God, God, where is this storm moving me toward? Where is the storm moving me to? And God is using those storms in your life. God manifests the storm. You remember it? You remember it? Stand up. y'all. listen. I want y'all to hear this. He found it. He got it. He checked his databank. <laughs> I think what I told pastor is one of the ways to get out of a storm is to know the reason why you're in the storm in the first place. Because if I really want to know how to get out, I need to know why God put me in. I think that's what he's talking about. That's right. That's right. It, it was another part to that. So you keep thinking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keep going back. Yeah <laughs> Yeah. It was it was three points about the storm. Yeah, to the storm does this and it does this and yeah, that's it. You remember it? You remember it? So can you tell it? I want you to give away your, your sermon. Can okay. can you tell it? Y'all listen to this. Listen to this. Um, I was telling pastor, there's three types of storms in particular that God will put you through. Storms of correction where God has to set things right. You see that with the flood in the book of Genesis. Then there are storms of direction where you may be headed in the wrong direction. And God will send a storm to put you back where he wants you to go. You see that with Jonah. But then there are storms of erection where God is trying to rebuild your character, build you, or trying to build your faith. So there are three types of storm where you study scripture that God is sending you through. Correction, direction, or erection. There That's the one. That's the one. Amen. That's the one. That's the one. So, so just know that storms are a vital part of the process. Many of you, many of you are stronger now because of the storms that you've had to endure the things that you've gone through in your life. Now, now those two are great points. Those two are great points. But my third point, I want to spend a, I want to spend a few moments. Um, I'm talking to you about my third point. Um, in, in. In the book of Jonah, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, let's look at it. Jonah chapter one. Um, Jonah chapter one, the the mariners became afraid. They were in trouble. They went to Jonah and said, Well, you need to call on your God because we're in trouble. The ship is about to break. Look at verse number 10. Jonah chapter 1, verse number 10. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Verse number 11. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. Look at verse number 12. Look at this. Look at this. Now, I want to to, uh, if, if you haven't highlighted verse number 12, I need you to highlight this because this is where I'm pulling my, my third point. Highlight number 12. Verse number 12. And he said to them, look at what he said. Pick me up, throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know, I know that this great tempest is because of me. Here's my third point. Don't miss this. Self-awareness is part of the process. Self-awareness is a part of the process. Many people are going through life with no self-awareness. You're not aware of what you're doing and how it's impacting the people around you. You're, You're not aware that your sins are causing the people that are closest to you to suffer. Jonah is understanding now that this storm is not only affecting me, but the storm is affecting everybody That's around me. Everybody that's connected to me. Many, many people sin because they're, they're not self aware. They think I'm only hurting myself. Not realizing that the sin that you're committing is actually hurting and impacting everything that's connected to you. Many believers are not self aware. Look at the definition of self awareness. It is conscious knowledge of one, one's own character Feelings, motives, and desires. It is a knowledge of your own character. A knowledge of where you are. A knowledge knowing if your character is flawed in some areas. A conscious knowledge of your character, your feelings, your motives, and your desire. What are your motives? Being self-aware means being consciously, being, being conscientious of your own motives, your, your own thoughts, being conscious of that. You know, even as a speaker, as a presenter, I have to be self-aware. I, I have to be careful of the things that I say and be mindful of the things I say because because sometimes as a presenter, if you're not self-aware, you can say some things that offend people. And, and not, not necessarily trying to, but you have to be self-aware. And so even in your own personal life, you know what? I have to be self-aware as a pastor, as your shepherd, as your leader. I have to be self-aware because I realize that my sins, that if I commit sin, my sin doesn't just affect me. My sins affect the whole body. it affects everybody and everything that's that's connected to me so one of the ways that that i have to protect you is i have to live a life without sin to the best of my ability so that the blessings of god can continue to flow through me to you are y'all getting that glory to god and so so that means i i have to walk with integrity there's some things I can't do that other people can do. There's some things that I can't get away with that other people may be able to get away with. Because, because when I pray, I need God to hear my prayers on your behalf. So I've got to be self-aware at all times. Many believers, many Christians are not self-aware. So what God does, many times God will send a storm in your life so that you can become self-aware. In 1972... Um, Psychologist Shelley Duvall and Robert Wicklands developed a theory of self-awareness. Here's what they propose. They propose that when we focus our attention on ourselves, we evaluate and compare our current behavior to our internal standards and values. We become self-conscious As objects, evaluators of ourselves, when you become conscious, when you evaluate the way you're acting versus the way you believe that you should be acting, then the question becomes now, what are you going to do now that you've got this dichotomy working in your life? You're doing something and you know internally that you should not be doing it. That's when you, when you realize that, that's when you become self-aware. That's when you start to look at yourself. When you see the storms going around in your life. I don't know if you've been around people like this. People that always blame somebody else for what's going on in their lives. For the storms that are in their lives, they blame other people all the time. You know, those are people that are not self-aware. You're not looking at yourself. You don't understand that, watch this, that it may be something that you've done or it may be something that you omitted doing. Many times it's not what you did, it's what you didn't do that's causing some of the things that's happening in your life. Glory to God, because only you, listen to me carefully, body of Christ, only you know what God told you to do or what he told you not to do. You know it because God keep bringing that thing up over and over and over and over in your life. You know where the area of disobedience is in your life. I believe that many people die before their time because they never dealt with that small area of disobedience in their life. They never dealt with it. Maybe it was lust. They never dealt with it. They just kept doing it, kept doing it, kept doing it. Maybe it was pride. Some people are pride and arrogant and they, they don't deal with it. They don't humble themselves. God said, my face is against the proud, but I exalt those who are humble. So maybe it's just a spirit of pride that you haven't dealt with. Maybe it's that. And, and you, and you stop being, you stop being self aware. We focus our attention on ourselves evaluate, compare our current behavior to our internal standards because there's a there's a God-given standard. Jonah looked at himself. Jonah became self-aware. Jonah said, this is my fault. This is my fault. This storm is my fault. I realize that it's happening because of me. Here's what Jonah said. Jonah said, if you get rid of me, you get rid of the problem. That's what he said. Get rid of, throw me overboard, the storm will cease. Jonah became self-aware. Here's my question for you. Are, are you self-aware? Uh, let me say it like this. Let me say it like this. Are you sin-aware? Are you sin Are you sin-conscious? Do, do you repent when God starts to reveal the area of sin in your life to you? Are you the type that that becomes sin conscious that you go back and you repent? Jonah said, This is my fault. The storm is on me. And so Jonah said, Throw me overboard, get rid of me, get rid of the you get rid of the storm. Commitments are a part of the process. Storms are a part of the process. Self-awareness is a part of the process. God wants you to know that you're not Superman. Listen. God will let you put on God let you take on this person's burden, this person's burdens, this person's problem, that person's problem, this issue, that issue, to now you are in the hospital with I be in your arm. Come on, talk back to me. You 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 trying to play you trying to play you're trying to play a Holy Spirit to all these folks. Oh you trying to fix everybody else's problems. Glory to God. And sometimes God has to put you flat on your back to make you self-aware. That you're trying to help fix everybody else. And God said, nobody needs you to look at you. Pray for them. Give them the word. And then, you watch this, you need to disconnect your feelings from that. Because your feelings are still engaged. Your feelings are still, and watch this, because your feelings are still engaged, even when you sleep, it's running your battery down. Some of you sleep, but you don't rest. You don't, you don't wake up revived because, because your feelings are still connected to people that you should have let go of a long time ago. Listen, when you tell people right and they don't want to listen, look at here, you better learn how to disconnect, let them people go do whatever they're going to do. I told you what to do, what not to do. If you don't want to do it, that's you, boo boo. You got to disconnect from people. Sometimes you disconnect, disconnect from your children. They'll run your battery down. I wish I had somebody in here. It'll run your battery down. Disconnect from folks. Watch this. Sometimes you, you love church folk, but sometimes you disconnect from church folk. They'll run your battery down. You got to disconnect. It'll run your battery down. Sometimes you got to disconnect. It'll, 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 it'll run your battery down. You got to become self-aware. You got you to know what's running your battery down. Glory to God. Speaking of running the battery down, speaking of running the battery down, uh Trina and I went to a friend's house last night, and uh she ran in for a few minutes, and, and I was outside on a conference call, and I I had my I had my, my, my truck on and, and uh well I have it on. It was off. I had the interior light on, I had my laptop plugged up, and, and I'm just on, and I'm just talking away, talking away, talking away. And uh, and so I, I thought I was good because the light was still shining. <laughs> Went to crank the truck up. <laughs> Ran my battery down. Watch this, watch this. Sometimes there are lights in your life will still work even when your battery is weak. So many times you're fooled because, because you woke up and because you had a little strength, you felt like you was okay not realizing that your battery was really turned down. That, that watch this. As long as you were operating on auxiliary power, you were fine. But when it came time to crank the motor up in your life, when it came time to move to the next level, you didn't have the strength to move because something's been zapping your battery the whole time. That's why you get mad so quick. That's why you become so snappy and so irritable. You know why? Because something's been draining your battery. Glory to God. And you got to become self-aware. What's pulling on your battery? What's draining you? Glory to God. Not only are commitments a part of the process and storms are part of the process, self-awareness is a part of the process, but, but, but look down, look down to verse number 17. Look down to verse number 17. Jonah chapter 1 verse 17 says, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Commitments, storms, self-awareness. And number four is recompense is part of the process. Recompense is part of the process recompense recompense is to reward or punish someone for their actions to reward or punish someone for their actions recompense is part of the process Jonah Jonah had to be punished he had to be punished for disobeying God that's part of the process it's part of the growth process It's part of God saving you and delivering you because God has to recompense. That's what God does. When we do good, God recompenses us with good. When we do evil, God has to recompense us with punishment. So he has to chastisement. The matter of fact, the Bible says that he chastens those that he loves. It's part of the process. That's why the Bible says despise not the chastening of the Lord because God is developing something. He's working something greater in your life and he's using the recompense process to help you to know what to do and what not to do. Grandmama and them did the same thing. Hallelujah. You didn't rake all them peas in the garbage can. When you rake them peas in the garbage can, what happened, coach? Mm, that's right, y'all heard that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you put it on your plate, Y'all, oh, y'all must have been my with my grandmother. They put on you. You better eat. do. You better not rake them butter beans in that garbage can. The way they, the way she helped you to understand that that was not a good thing, was that she told your honey up. So when she told you up, you realized, okay, every time I rake this in the garbage can, I get a whooping. So guess what I'm gonna do next week? I'm not gonna rake it in the garbage can. I'm gonna sit here all night. I'm going to eat one bean an hour. <laughs> yeah, that happened for real. <laughs> I had to close my nose, boy. I had to put a h- big hunk of sugar on that one bean. <laughs> I, that. I ain't like butter beans, y'all. Girl made me eat them. Jeremiah 25, 15. I'm almost done. For my nation, for many nations and great kings shall serve themselves of them also. Watch this. And I will recompense them according to their deeds. And according to the works of their own hand, God said, I'm going to recompense them according to their own works. So if you're doing good, you can expect good things to happen. You can expect God to bless you with good. Not saying that you won't have some bad times, but when you have the Bible says, if you suffer, don't suffer as an evildoer. Don't suffer as someone who has done evil. When you suffer for Christ, he said, blessed are you. When you're doing good and you suffer, God calls you blessed when those, when those things happen. But if you're suffering because of something that you've done, then you've got to endure that process. You've got to endure. You have to endure the recompense. Jonah had to endure the recompense. He goes into the bill of a fish. Some of you may be in the recompense stage now where where you've you've disobeyed God, maybe in an action or something that you you failed to do and you disobeyed God. So let me me, me make it clear to you. If, if, If you're not spending quality time with God, you are in direct disobedience to something that you know God wants you to do. Let me say that again. If you're not spending quality time with God, if you're not giving God some of your time, you are in disobedience to what you know God wants you to do. So I know some of you sitting there thinking, well, I'm, well, I'm good child. I, you know, I ain't doing nothing. I ain't sending nothing, but but you're, you're omitting something. You're omitting something. You know, the Bible tells us that we ought to, we ought to meditate on the word day and night. We ought, we ought to read and study God's word day and night. We ought to spend time with God all the time. And then not just the stuff we do in our car because we don't have anything else to do, you know, and just we put on some music and think that's okay. No, God wants quality time with you. God, hallelujah. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your real hand, but raise your invisible hand. If you know that you could do better in your quality time with God, just raise the invisible one. Trina said, my hand real. She rose a real hand. Glory to God. So so wait a minute. So, so, I, so I want you to know that nobody's room is off the hook. All of us. Could it be that the recompense that's happening in our lives is a direct result of us not spending the time with God that we know he requires of us? Could it be that you're a parent and you're not training up your children to know Christ? Could it be that you're not praying? Could, you, could it be that you're a husband and you're not praying with your wife and praying with your family? Could, could, that, be, could that be why the recompense is manifesting in your life? I want you all to think about that. Think about that. Because listen, we're, we're at a point now. I, I think we have matured enough to where it's not the big sins that are tripping us up. I think right now it's the little foxes that are spoiled in divine. It's the little things that we kind of omit that, that we just kind of brush off. Like that's not that big of a deal. Watch this. Watch this. Uh, could, could, could you say, could you say, listen, I know God's will is for me to be a tither, but I'm not tithing 10% yet. Could it be that recompense? Could it be that recompense? If we, if we know what the will of God is and we're not doing the will of God, then why, then, then why should God omit the recompense? From you and I. Glory to God. So you know what we have to do? We have to pray. We have to pray. You you have to pray and say, okay, God, show me the area in my life where I'm slipping. Show me where I'm falling short. Many of you, while I'm talking, many of you, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. Somebody, I see that conviction in your eyes. you kind of falling off you kind of falling off. Matter of fact, matter of fact, in the book of Revelation, um, um, God speaks to a church and He says, He says, you, You're doing good, but 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 you've but but you 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 you've forgotten your first love. You, you've gotten away from your first love. Watch this. How many of you can truly say, you know what? I've gotten away from my first I, I'm, I'm not in love with the presence of God, not like I used to be. There was a time I'd be at home and I'd worship at the house. There'd be a time I'd be in my car and, and I could just worship him. I, when was the last time you had a real good cry in the spirit? Woo, them things feel good. Woo, when you can purge in the spirit and you can just lift your hands and you can just cry. Oh, that feels so good. I'm talking about an ugly cry. Woo, I'm talking about that. I'm talking about that. I'm talking about that ugly cry. When you cry so much that, that the, your bosom be wet. Oh, you ain't crying. You ain't crying until you got a little tear juice run down your throat. Run down the collar of your shirt. Woo! I'm talking about a good cry. I'm talking about the cry where you ain't looking for a tissue. You don't care about Tisha. So Stalin said, You just out. You don't want anybody to tell you. You don't care about you don't care about trying to be cute. You just you just it's nobody in the room but you and God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If you, if you are not seeking him in your private time, don't expect to find him in your public time. Hallelujah. And many of us are committing that sin. Sin of not seeking him daily. Not going after him. Not pursuing God. Many of us are there. It's not the big sins. I've been teaching y'all long enough about the big sins. Now we got to deal with this little small stuff. The little small foxes. Now we got to deal with us spending more time with God. Let me move on. And here's my last one. Here's my last one. I uh, 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 look down, look down at, at verse number three. Jonah's been, three. if you haven't read the story of Jonah in a while, go back and read. It's a really cool story. Look at chapter three, chapter three, verse number one. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, all right. Matter of fact, watch this. Let me see. Um, okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Look at verse number one, chapter three, verse number one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, arise, go to Nineveh. So Jonah's been spit out. Uh, the great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now watch this. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city. Three days journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. (laughs) Jonah was booking. When Jonah got out there and fish, <laughs> what would have took him three days. <laughs> Jonah was booking. Can't you see them little wet feet? Jonah was entering the city. On his first day, he started walking. Jonah was playing no games. My third point is this. Obedience is part of the process. That's my last point, ladies and gentlemen. Obedience is part of the process. It's part of the process. Jonah had to obey. And he didn't haste this time. This time Jonah didn't delay. He made haste. Some of you need to go home tonight and make haste. Don't wait until tomorrow. Some of you need to go home tonight. I know you may be a little bit tired, maybe a little bit sleepy. But some of you need to go home tonight and spend some time with God. You can go home and carve out you about 10 minutes. Get in a quiet place. Put the kids to bed, run them off, tell them, you know, I'll hit you with this if you come in here. No. Or something. I don't know. I don't know how y'all. Some people talk to their kids kind of rough. Amen. Some of you, listen, don't don't haste. Don't delay. Don't delay. So you, you, need to, you need to get on it. You need to move. You need to do what God's telling you to do. Obedience is part of the process. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 says, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as, as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, As in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of ram. In other words, God said your obedience is greater than any sacrifice that you could ever give. My grandmother says it all the time. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And I I had no idea what that meant. So I became an adult, started reading the scriptures and realized that my grandma would, would read things in scripture and those things would stay in her mind. And she would say those things to us and she would say to all the time, boy, obedience is better than sacrifice. Now, now, now there's a, there's another way to say it. Another way to say it is, uh, hard hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's another way. Yeah, say no, that's another way to say it. <laughs> that's not what it, that's not what it said. <laughs> Hallelujah. But obedience. So, so listen, here's what I want you to do. Oh, we only got one minute. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down. If you got a phone, I want you to text yourself. Uh, put in your notes page. Write down the area where God needs you to obey. Just write it down. Just write it down. Where does God need you to obey? Write it down. A study's shown that people who write down the vision, write down what they're wanting to do, are 70% more likely to get it done when you write it down. In what area of your life is God calling you to obey? What is he saying to you tonight? What is he saying to you? Where's the area of obedience for you? What does God say? Does God want you to forgive, does God? I want to spend more time with you. What's your area of obedience? Because obedience is part of the process. It was Jonah's choosing to obey. That got him released from the fish. Many of you will be released from the fish that's holding you once you make it up in your mind that you're going to obey. you're going to obey God. You're going to do what God said. And trust me, I, I wrestle with obedience just like everybody else. There are things that God asks me to do that I don't want to do. But I'm doing a whole lot better than I used to. A whole lot better. If God said now, I'm working to try to make it happen. Working to try to get it done. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Thank you, Lord God, for this night. Thank you for this time of teaching, this time of...